This is Rowena from Pretty Creative, and my drink of choice is an ice-cold white wine. I'm Gemma from Contently Driven, and my drink of choice is red wine. And I'm Michaela from Inspired Office, and my drink of choice is a sparkling white wine. Work-life wine time supports the responsible consumption of alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, beautiful people. Today you have myself, Makala, hosting this episode, and I have with me a very special guest and my dear friend and fellow Tasmanian, Eve Nelson from HR Taz. Now, I've asked Eve to join me on this episode to talk about how to grow a healthy team with the right people you need to support you and your business. So to get started, Eve, can you tell us a bit about you and your business? Absolutely. Um, HR Taz is a uh, employee and industrial relations specialist. Uh, we specialise in small to medium-sized businesses that don't necessarily need a full-time HR manager. Awesome. So what is it that you actually do for these businesses? Anything HR-related. So we look after the entire employee life cycle. So from uh, maybe a, a, a a small idea that somebody has about recruiting or bringing people into the business all the way through to the other end where people actually exit the business and we put strategies together around succession planning and and preparing for the next phase. Ah, That's really interesting because I know me personally, I don't even think forward to that sort of stuff. It's like every, all my thoughts seem to stop at, getting someone in at the front end, like onboarding, and then it's just cruising along. So that's interesting. We'll dig a bit more into that in a moment. So tell us a bit more about you and what it is that prompted you to start HR Taz. So I'm probably one of those strange people whose uh, passion is is HR. Yeah. And, <laughs> yep, there's a place in the world for all of us. <laughs> Um, and people do give me strange looks, but um, in in any business, there is a certain element of employee and industrial relations you need to be aware of, uh, and that's my passion. That's what drives me. So from a, a, an HR background for the last 20-plus years, I don't think I need to do the math, um, we have uh, worked with a number of industries, private enterprise, uh, governments, uh, not-for-profits uh, in various shapes and forms, uh, shapes and sizes. So there's definitely a, a wide variety in our in our background and in what we do, and we bring a, a, a lot of experience to our clients. And what were you doing before you started HR Tabs? Having worked in in HR for a number of years, there was a bit of uh, an element of burnout. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I took a bit of a break and thought I'd go into real estate because for some silly reason, I thought that would be a good, (laughs) give give me some headspace. Be nice and easy. Yeah, no, (laughs) no. Turns out I was wrong. Uh, But it didn't take me long to to start to miss the the HR side of of my life and uh, looking after not only the employees but looking after employers who acknowledge that they don't know what they don't know and Mm. don't want to make um, mistakes. So uh, a break in in real estate was good but it it actually renewed my passion for for what I do. That's fantastic. And how did you find it when you first started out in the world of being your own boss? I still love every minute of it. That's awesome. Uh, there's the autonomy, the uh, ability to to work the hours that I want to work, mm. uh, and it it frees up my time to to pursue other passions that I might not have had the time to do in the past. So being self employed uh, is is a huge bonus, um, and I do appreciate the irony in the fact that I'm an HR business that doesn't want to employ staff. <laughs> So uh, operating operating the business uh, with just myself and my husband part-time uh, gives me a, a lot of freedom to, to do what, what I want to do. That's brilliant. I love that. Eve, let's jump into what you're here to talk about today. So basically my experience with HR, and I've actually spoken to you about this, mm-hmm. um, I came to you to help look over everything I'd set up to make sure that I'd done the right thing. 
Um, but for me and for other business women and, and colleagues and friends that I've come across, we tend to get to a point where we need to take on staff or contractors or whatever, and it tends to happen really quickly. And I know personally that I was not aware of everything that was involved in it. Um, so I guess what I'd like you to talk about now is just a bit of what kind of mistakes have you seen um, business owners make when it comes time to employ people in their business and maybe what are some words of wisdom that you might have to avoid making those mistakes, some of which I believe can be quite costly? <laughs> first things first is if you can't fire them, don't hire them. I love that. So I've seen um, a, a lot of businesses, especially in the early days, um, tend to, to bring in friends or family. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it works. Mm -hmm. Classic example, yeah. sitting across the table. But uh, other times it doesn't work and it gets really ugly and really messy quickly. Mm -hmm. So if you just remember, if you can't fire them, don't bring them on board. Um, take your time with recruitment. Uh, a lot of us um, will have our own businesses and treat it like it's our baby. Yeah. So we need to make sure that if we're handing over some part of our business to somebody else, that we're doing it to the right person who's uh, got the right attitude mm -hmm. uh, and there for the, the right reasons as well because our babies are precious. Mm. We don't want to just hand it over to, uh, to the first person that comes along. Mm. And especially as small business owners too, it's like, you know, it's not like you want that staff member who's going to stand at the till playing on their phone during their work hours. It's There's a lot of, um, I think a lot of the women that listen to the podcast actually have online businesses and remote staff. So we're not even there to be keeping an eye on what our staff are doing. So, yeah, I can see why that's really important. Also, identify where your weaknesses are mm -hmm. and employ people that are going to thrive in those areas that maybe you're not so strong in. Mm -hmm. um, acknowledging we're not perfect is not easy for a lot of people, but if we can identify the areas that we maybe don't enjoy doing yeah. uh, or we find are, are taking up more time than they should, um, maybe look for those skills uh, elsewhere mm -hmm. and bring somebody in that will, will complement you. Yeah. and what you're, where, where you can't fulfil, Yeah, you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense because I'm part of what I do when I'm um, doing productivity training with people is also helping them realise what can be delegated, <clears throat> what doesn't fall within their zone of genius and therefore should be done by someone else who can do it in a quarter of the time and do it to a much higher standard. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I mean, if we're running our own business, hopefully we've already acknowledged that um, we don't know a lot mm. um, and we may have outsourced things to, to other subject matter experts. Um, but if you're wanting to, to bring those tasks in-house, absolutely make sure you, you're bringing the right people in with those right skills. Mm. So what, what does a good recruitment process look like? Like what does it What's involved? So say I wanted to um, bring on a team member to help take over some of the tech aspects of my services. So I wanted to bring someone in who could help um, with website design, for mm -hmm. example. So how, what's the sort of process or what's a good process for me to follow in order to find the person and to get them working for me? Absolutely. Uh, well, like we were just talking about, identify your weaknesses mm -hmm. um, and and target uh, those skills in someone. Um, make sure when you're planning this that you uh, put some thought into the future, mm -hmm. not just filling the gaps now. Um, because clearly if you're bringing people in, your business is, going, is growing. Yeah. So make sure we, we take into account where the business might be heading. Um, we then need to look at drafting an ad to our ideal candidate. 
when you write an ad, yeah, have that ideal candidate in mind and write your ad towards that person mm-hmm. um, because you want to attract the right people off the bat. Yeah. With, uh, with, with writing your ad, don't be afraid to be detailed and go into specifics. In fact, the more detailed, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and don't be afraid to, to uh, put everything out there. We may have a huge wish list of what we want this person to look like. Um, put it all out there and, and you, you will start to find that you'll get the applicants coming in that are going to tick maybe not all of the boxes, but most of the boxes. Mm. Um, so once you, you've got your, your candidates rolling in, um, make sure you read through the resumes. Mm-hmm. Look for anything that any red flags that may set off alarms. Um, what are some examples of red flags? Short stints in lots of jobs, mm-hmm. you know, 12 months here, six months here. Uh, if there's a, a, see if there's a pattern of, of chopping and changing mm-hmm. a lot, um, whether they're unsettled, who knows what. Um, but that's sometimes not a good thing yeah. to, to have in a, uh, an employee, especially if you're putting the, the time and the effort in at this point to make sure you get the right person. Mm. You don't want them to be gone in six months and have to go through the whole thing again. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah. 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 Other, other red flags to look for are big gaps also. Um, understandably, there's things where people may have had time off for family reasons, you know, raising children and things like that. Yeah. Um, but that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just keep an eye out for big gaps. Not that I'm saying that's a deal breaker. Yeah. But just acknowledge that that's there because that may be something you want to talk to them about when you're actually sitting in front of them. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, other red flags to look for, uh, the language that they're using. Um, this is going to be a, a really good indicator of the sort of person that they are. Mm-hmm. If they're using the right language for the industry that you're in, then you've, it's, it's a good sign that they, they understand uh, and have a, a concept of, where they're going to be working. Yep. Um, it's, it's all well and good giving people new opportunities in new industries, um, but you've just got to ask yourself, are you prepared to put in the time and effort to train somebody into a new industry um, when you're busy running your own mm. business? Yeah, because that just really adds a whole nother level of the work that you need to put into the employee. At, at this stage, if we're, you know, this is the first time we're bringing somebody in, then absolutely, um, that's not to say down the track, don't open yourself up to giving people those opportunities, but just ask yourself, is now the right time to be doing that? Mm. I like that. Okay, so we've read through the resume. Mm-hmm. What's What comes next in the whole? Phone screening. Pick up, Tell me more. Pick up, pick up the phone and, uh, and have that conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Um, having a... Um, having a, a conversation on the phone is a really good indicator of their clearly their phone manner. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, if they're the sort of person that you would like representing your business, mm-hmm. um, it's it's always a good first step in deciding if this is somebody you're, you're prepared to to interview. Yeah, um, phone sc- uh, phone screening doesn't need to take. 10, 15 minutes, it can be a short five-minute conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but make... so, so this is a precursor to the interview. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Have a set of maybe three or four questions that mm-hmm. you want to ask this person um, and have some set answers written down as well. So if, if they're mentioning the right points, you can just tick and flick as you go um, that they're, they're ticking the boxes that you're looking for. So have, uh, have just a few questions, not a lot. Uh, and if you're, you're happy with what you've heard, uh, then absolutely take them to the next level and, and get them in for an interview. Okay. Don't be afraid to to rule people out ever so politely, <laughs> but just thank them for their time and, and 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 move on. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I never I've never thought of that. When I have taken on team members in the past, I the first time that I actually spoke to them was in the Zoom interview. I never thought of, of adding a little phone interview step in there. Well, 
especially if these people are going to be on the phone to your clients, mm. um, knowing what their phone manners like is very important. Yeah, true. Excellent. So what, what then is the next step after? So they've ticked all the boxes so far and you, you want to bring them in? Yep. Uh, with, with interviews, they can be uh, quite nerve-wracking for the candidate. Mm -hmm. So put them at ease. Just really make the, get them to relax, um, make them comfortable. If, uh, if you've already got staff um, in the office, try not to have candidates sitting in an open area or conduct the interview uh, in a fishbowl because mm -hmm. that can be quite daunting. Uh, but have a, a, a nice quiet area where you can sit and have a conversation in a semi-relaxed manner. Mm -hmm. You certainly don't want to be spread out on the lounge, yeah. but uh, just it helps them to relax and it, it puts you in a, a good frame of mind and, and open to, to listening to what they've got to say. Mm. And I guess if we're translating that to, um, to an online interview for, for everyone all those poor souls in lockdown at the moment. Yes. Um, but also if you're interviewing candidates who will live and work remotely from you, mm -hmm. then I guess that's also a good thing to think about as well when you're interviewing them for you to be in a professional space, mm -hmm. um, not, as you said, sitting in your lounge <laughs> conducting the interview. That's it. A nice, nice quiet room um, where neither of you will get distracted yeah. um, by noise or, or things going on in the background. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the other thing, especially if I guess if it's coming to, to Zoom interviews, it's not as easy to put people at ease, mm -hmm. uh, but just, just get them to relax and take a few deep breaths. Um, don't be afraid to, to just give them a minute if you need to. Um, silence is a good thing in an interview, and I'll get to that in a minute. But just just make sure that they're relaxed. Um, that way you're going to get the, the best responses out of them. Mm. No, that sounds good. Have, uh, again, have a, a set of questions that you're wanting specific answers to. Mm -hmm. um, this is going to be more detailed than our phone screening, uh, and you'll want to delve into... Um, their history, their experience, uh, and ask for examples um, of, of past behaviours. You know, how did they cope in this situation? Or give me an example of when this happened. Mm -hmm. um, not that that's necessarily a good predictor of future behaviours, but it gives you a good idea of maybe how they've coped under pressure, dealing with difficult clients, um, difficult colleagues yeah. um, or how they, they shine and uh, where they've maybe gone over and above for clients or customers. And, but just ask for specific examples mm. um, and don't be afraid to, to uh, delve a bit deeper. If something piques your interest and you want to get into more detail, don't be afraid to ask them. Mm -hmm. uh, as I mentioned, silence is a good thing. Yeah. Tell me more. Uh, you will find that people will try and candidates will want to fill silence by telling you more or elaborating on answers. Uh, so just take a breath at the end of each question and see if they want to maybe provide more information. It can sometimes make them feel a little, little uncomfortable, <laughs> which I know I was saying not to do, uh, but silence can be a good thing and they will fill that silence um, with the truth. Yeah. Well, I know that that's a technique that they use in my um, detective, detective novels that I read. They always <laughs> talk about leaving the suspect in silence so they'll fill it with. And they always they get the result say. they want, don't yeah. they? <laughs> so good advice there. I like that one. Absolutely. <laughs> Is there anything else that we should bear in mind with the actual interview itself? Any other boxes we should particularly tick? Look, there there is, and I know it's... it. it probably going to be obvious to uh, a lot of your your listeners but maybe not to all of them um, but there are those those questions you can't ask mm -hmm. uh, you know, discrimination anti-discrimination laws forbid us from asking a lot of questions around uh, the family situation um, um, sexual preferences religion all those sort of things yeah. um, so and, and if you're ever unsure about those things you just jump online and they'll 
you'll very quickly find a list of, of areas you can't go near. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to think that most people are, uh, are aware of what they can and what they can't ask in that situation. Just to elaborate on that a bit, um, if, the, if the candidate brings up something about that, mm-hmm. is it okay to, to, you know, enter into a conversation about it? Um, I'm just thinking because in the past I have interviewed some, um, some women who were mums working from home and so, you know, they brought that up themselves mm-hmm. in the situation and so I asked a bit more about you know what their conditions were like and mm-hmm. how old the kids were and to get a a better idea of that not that that was something that cancelled them out because I I'm all about supporting mums in business because that's what you are one that I would well yes <laughs> I am one but that's also the stage I was at when I started my business um but is that sort of thing okay to do or is that something that I perhaps should have steered away from? Oh, it's, it's probably okay to, to open up that conversation um, as long as you don't lead it too far. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are ways and means of um, getting people to talk about those sort of situations. Uh, for example, if, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're explaining the role to somebody and you say to them, look, maybe working weekends is part of what you need to do and you'll say to them, you know, is working weekends a, a problem for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find a lot of people say, well, you know, my children have soccer or, or sports or, or, you know, that's my family time or things like that, yeah. um, which is understandable that, you know, if you've got that need in your business, you want to make sure that the right candidate can fulfil that need. Mm. But uh, we certainly don't want to be asking quite up front, do you have children? How old are they? Yeah. You know, all of those sort of things. So um, th- there are ways and means of, of finding out if this candidate can meet the requirements that you're looking for without breaching any any laws. Um, but at the end of the day, if it isn't relevant, then we really don't need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair call. Mm. Um, other questions that that you may find relevant, depending on your um, your, your business, is uh, the, the qualifications. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know you may want to see evidence of, of some sort of qualification that they may have that's specific to the role that you're looking for, or for example, if you're in a, a an industry that may require a police check or working with vulnerable people, yeah, um, there's nothing wrong with with asking for evidence of, of those sort of things. Um, so, with if you are asking for evidence of qualification, like what what exactly would you say? How would you like you know? Oh, can you email me a copy of your diploma? Or yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That, that's totally okay. Absolutely, most people excuse me, we'll provide that anyway mm-hmm. if it's if it's in if it's a requirement of the role. Mm-hmm. But yeah, certainly don't be afraid. Uh, another thing, which is probably a whole other conversation um, for another time, uh, is around uh, visa requirements. Mm-hmm. So if you're employing um, international students or or people that may be on some type of visa, then you absolutely are within your rights to ask for a copy of that visa mm-hmm. um, because it will be your responsibility to check that um, the validity of that visa every three months mm-hmm. um, to make sure that you're employing under the right uh, circumstances mm-hmm. and not breaching their their visa conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that then, if you employ someone on who's on a working visa, does that then become your responsibility to make sure that um, the conditions aren't being breached? Like, absolutely. Okay. It's it's the responsibility of the, the employee. employee and the employer okay. uh, because there are some <clears throat> very hefty fines. Mm-hmm. Um, last count was 60,000 plus. Whoa, okay. If, if you are found to be in breach um, of somebody's visa requirement mm-hmm. and uh, ignorance is not an argument. Uh, in that instance. So it's uh, very easy to do. There's just a, a quick five-minute um, check online. You just set yourself up with an immigration, with, with the Immigration Department website, mm-hmm. um, and it is quite literally a, a, a very quick task that you should do every three months religiously. Okay. Uh, and just make sure you're still within the, uh, that the visa conditions haven't changed and you're still operating within the visa requirements. Mm-hmm. 
That is very good to know. I, I have come into contact with that before when I was helping um, a client of mine get her ducks in a row to be able to employ someone who was on a working visa, but I had no idea about the three-month thing. Mm. So, yeah, glad you shared that. That's well, very good. Full of useless information. <laughs> Something else um, you may want to be aware of is if you're um, conducting your interviews uh, as a panel or you have more than one person mm -hmm. uh, doing the interview, uh, it, it is... It isn't a bad idea if there's maybe more stakeholders involved in the situation to have them involved in the interview. Mm -hmm. But just be careful we're not overpowering the candidates. Usually maybe two, three at the most, three people yeah. on a panel. Um, otherwise, we're getting quite intimidating. Mm. Um, and if we need to, we can bring people back for a second interview if there's more stakeholders involved. Uh, but just don't overwhelm them by... By having you know four or five six people on an interview panel yeah that's more like it feels a bit more like an interrogation than an interview absolutely absolutely nobody likes that don't be afraid to to ask about those gaps that you may have found in their their resumes as well um, mm. like i was saying it could be completely innocent raising a family or, or things like that yeah um but if there is something there that you want to to delve into don't be afraid to, to ask more questions about uh, about a gap and, and why it was there. Clearly, there's there's things that may be of a personal nature that people don't need to disclose. Mm -hmm. um, so you'll probably draw the line very quickly in that. But don't um, also don't be afraid just to ask the question of you know why is there a significant gap here in your resume? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so we've done the interview. Mm -hmm. What do we need to do next? Because most people, I think, do get to this point, do the interview, and then it's like, right, get them in and just get started. Please, please, please don't offer them the job in the interview. Don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. <laughs> people fall into to that trap all the time. Um, they get a good feeling when they meet somebody and, you know, it may be a, um, you know, you you get on well with them and personalities are in alignment, but uh, absolutely you, you that's, that's just one step in the recruitment process. We need to do a reference check. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if this one would come up. Yes, yes. Reference checks are a great way of validating any information that the candidate may have given you. Mm -hmm. When it comes to your reference checks, um, always check with the candidate in the interview that they give you permission to yep. contact their references and ask them who these references are. Um, it's really important that we don't contact family and friends yeah. um, just to get a, a good rap, that we do actually speak to somebody that they've uh, either reported through to in the past or knows them on a professional level mm -hmm. uh, and how they've operated in the workplace before. Mm -hmm. I find it really interesting that... And I mean, thinking about it now, it totally makes sense, but that the reference checks come after the interview because I've come across a lot of situations where they happen before the interview, particularly when I used to work in government. Uh -huh. We'd always do the reference. The reference checks were like the step before we got them into interview. It like helped us decide if that's what we were going to do. So... I, I find it very interesting that, and I, it makes sense because, like you said, it's where you can fact check mm -hmm. against what they've said. But yeah, that's. I just wanted to add that bit in there because I have come across a lot of situations where we've been prompted to do reference checks before the interview. That that's interesting, actually. I I can see the argument for it um, because it give you a good idea of the sort of person you're, you're getting in to interview. Um, but I guess that's where your phone screening would come into play and mm. and trust your gut on that more than doing a reference check yeah. beforehand um, because you do you, you really want to like you say fact check mm. the uh, the information that you've been given yeah with your with your references once you you've got the, that permission from the the candidate um, make sure with with your reference checking that, again, you've got the list of, of questions that you're wanting to ask. 
And again, you've got the list of ideal answers or keywords that you're looking for mm -hmm. from the reference check. Yeah. Um, again, it, it's, it just makes the process uh, quicker and easier. And uh, I don't want to use the term tick and flick, but if they're, they're mentioning the right keywords or, or phrases, um, then you, you, you know you're on the right track with, with this candidate. Mm -hmm. um, again, there's the, the, the obvious questions that you, you can't ask. Again, you know, anti-discrimination type questions. Yep. Um, but this is also a good opportunity to get uh, third parties' um, observation of these candidates. Mm -hmm. Even if they're similar questions that you ask the candidate about asking for examples of past behaviours and um, how they've handled difficult situations, um, ask the can uh, sorry, ask the, the the reference check similar questions. Um, because you, you're clearly asking those questions for a reason. Mm. Um, so don't be afraid to double up even if you take some of your interview questions out. But don't ask too many questions either. Again, mm -hmm. this is a, a, another opportunity to sit back and, and let silence be your friend and let the, uh, the reference check fill in the, the gaps uh, and probably give you a lot more information that you may be looking for, but that's not a bad thing. And so is it okay to ask questions like about their attendance, like how much time they've had off the sick leave or absolutely know, all that sort of thing? Absolutely. Okay. Very, very, be very direct. You know, mm -hmm. Did you have any issues with their attendance, punctuality? Uh, was there any performance issues? Yeah. Um, so you can just come out yeah. with, okay. Yeah, cool. yeah um, absolutely. Um, uh, another couple of good questions you want to know is, um, you know, what, what was the candidate's strengths when they were working for you? What areas do you mm -hmm. think they could do with more upskilling or training? Um, get, get specific with your reference check um, because they will give you the information that you're looking for more so than the candidate. Mm. Um, I was conducting a, a reference check this morning and uh, one question that my client was quite keen to hear was um, how the candidate liked to be managed. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're if you're employing this person and you're going to be managing them, you want to know how to get the best out of them. Yeah. So ask a previous sense. manager, how did you get the best out of them? Yeah, that that's really good. I really like that one. Mm. And the million dollar question right at the end, yeah, is would you rehire them? Ah, that's a good one. Yes. Yeah. Um, nine times out of ten, you pretty sure you know what the answer to that question is going to be by the time you get to the end of the reference check. <laughs> yep. But sometimes you might actually be surprised um, with, with information that, that you may get, you know, especially if the answers are no because mm. of. Okay, that's a good one. Mm. Definitely add that one to the arsenal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, reference check. Tick. Yes. What is next? What do we have to do now? Gather up all the information that you've got. So mm -hmm. your resume, your interview notes, your reference checking, any other in uh, information that you've got on the candidate, um, Google them. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. Google them. Are you looking for like social media stuff or just? It's all public, Every out in the public domain. Um, it's... It's definitely not something you'll you'll judge them on. Yeah. Um, but you you if this person's going to be representing you and your brand, um, just see what what their public persona is. Mm. Um, you, you certainly don't want to um, discriminate, but it's it's public knowledge. It's out in the out in the wide, big wide world. Um, don't be afraid to do it. Mm. Okay. Once you've got all of that information. Um, if, if you're comfortable enough to make, a, make a, an offer of employment, absolutely go for it. But don't be afraid to bring them back a second time um, just to make sure that, that you are getting along with them, that you are clicking, um, that, that they are passionate about your industry or mm -hmm. your business. Um, the last thing you want is to, to bring somebody in that, that isn't as... Nobody will be as passionate as you are about your business. Yeah. Very but true. it would be great to have somebody that is passionate about your business. Mm. So say you've got two candidates that you are really struggling to decide between. What advice can you offer to help you get across that line and actually make a decision on one or the other? 
What a nice position to be in for a start. I know. Wouldn't it be amazing? Two is <laughs> better than none. Um, it, it is a good position. Look, when it comes to your business, nobody knows your business better than you do. Mm-hmm. So you probably will be leaning more towards one than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, this may be a, a great opportunity, especially if there's other stakeholders involved, other staff, get the candidates in to your business um, or, or meet these other stakeholders and, and and just see how they interact with them, mm-hmm. uh, especially if they're going to be working closely with these people. Yeah. You want to make sure they're going to get along as well. Um, so, yeah, it is a nice nice position to be in. Um, but just just go with your gut. Mm. I was going to say, is it a bit of a gut check kind of situation? It is. It is. And look, if you you've, you've built a business up, you you you're employing people because you've got a successful business. You've already been going with your gut feeling on a lot of things. So why should this be any different? Very very good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So. We've made the decision on the candidate. What's your position on trial periods? Like, are they a good idea, bad idea? How do they work? Look, trial periods, I'll I'll go back a step. With with every new employee, uh, every employment contract that goes out, you have a clause in there about a probation period. Mm -hmm. Now, that probation period is usually less than three months. Mm-hmm. But it's a really good opportunity for you to see if it's the right candidate and for the candidate to see if they're the right fit for yep. you. Um, a, probation periods is probably a whole other podcast. We can talk <laughs> hours on that. Um, but this is this is another another process that, if done correctly, will do the job it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It will either allow you to... Um, help the candidate get up to speed in that three months and perform at a level that you're or well and truly on the way to performing at a level you want them to mm-hmm. or it'll it'll show you that that maybe something's not right here and that they might not be the right fit mm-hmm. um, with a, a, a probation period it, it's a bit like uh, when you make the job offer um, if it's not a definite yes, it's a no. Mm-hmm. Um, if you aren't convinced that this person is right for your business, the answer is no. It's time to part ways with them. Mm-hmm. Your probation period um, allows you some flexibility in the legislation to be able to, to part ways without um, too much of an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, once we get past that probation period, uh, the laws do change a little and it's not as easy to, to part ways with a, a um, an incompatible candidate but um, but again if you get to the end of that three months if it's not a definite yes it's a no, it's a no. Mm, that that's so then it's a case of either go back and all so okay so based on what we've talked about so if you get to the end of the probation period mm-hmm. and it's a no mm-hmm where do you suggest going from there? Is it then a start all over again or would you suggest looking at other candidates that weren't successful? Well, hopefully that other candidate that you couldn't decide on is, uh, <laughs> is still there. And then it's problem solved. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Tick that box. Yeah, don't be afraid. Hopefully you've learned some lessons mm-hmm. by the time we've we've had to part ways with the candidate that may not have worked out. Um, and we go back and, and, and we start again. Um, however, if we've followed the right process at the beginning, we know we're not going to let this candidate go at the end of the probation period or even before. We don't necessarily need to wait until the end of the probation period to let them go. But if we do the whole process properly from the start, we won't need to go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's okay. where it comes into our phone screening, our right. interview questions, our reference checks, yeah. you know, our background checks on them. If we do that properly from the beginning, we won't need to go back. Mm. Well, I guess that just, it really just makes you realise how important it is not to just wing it 
through this process to really follow the steps and tick all the boxes. Don't wing it. Don't just put a bum on a seat. Yeah. Make sure you bring the right person into your business. Because mm. I guess by the end of the probation period too, if that's three months and you've got to advertise and then you've got to go through the whole screening and interview process. So what it can be like a five month type situation to get someone on. Uh, especially if you've got to wait for them to um, give up, you know, work through a notice period with oh, a previous employer, uh, that could could add to it. If it's, you know, say a four week notice period, that could could add to it. Um, so I guess that in itself, the fact that you could be looking at six months to get someone working in your or to get someone really embedded into your team then that kind that is another reason why it's so important that's that's it. to really nail it from the beginning and do it properly and you've also got to appreciate that they're not going to hit the ground running the mm. way you need them to to be straight away um unfortunately the world isn't that perfect all the time um so we need to to give them a chance to grow in the role make it their own um and and put their their mark on it but um, it, it, it can be a lengthy process. So let's make sure we get it right from the beginning. Mm. So, okay, so say we've had this employee, they've been marvellous, they've worked with us for a few years mm -hmm. and they've decided that it's time for them to move on. They want to start their own business or explore a different avenue or something. Now, again, my experience has just been, you know, throw them a lunch <laughs> and say thank you you're awesome from an HR point of view mm -hmm. what what should we do absolutely throw them a lunch <laughs> but before they go as long as there's wine as long as there's wine absolutely <laughs> but before we we let them go um acknowledge the fact that there is a lot of knowledge that's going to be walking out the door with them. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully it's it's going to be a friendly parting of the ways um, and they're, they're quite open and amicable to maybe being part of recruiting their replacement mm -hmm. um, is a good way to... That's a brilliant idea. Yeah, to, to make sure you're getting the right person in to replace them. Um, absolutely try and... and get any information about the role out of them. They've been doing it for a number of years. They're going to know it better than you do. Mm. Um, so, so make sure you, you're not letting that knowledge and um, all of that experience just walk out the door. Mm. Um, so you've got your standard operating procedures and that sort of thing in place. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and ask them, ask, ask them to give you any, um, any feedback on, on the role. Um, it may be a case of you need to change the role with the next candidate or, or uh, you know, maybe look for different skills or experience in the next candidate. But the only person that's going to know what that role needs is the person that's in that role at the moment. Mm -hmm. So um, have those conversations with them. Try and, and facilitate um, their, their exit from the business as best you can. Mm -hmm. um, it, it doesn't need to be um, uncomfortable or, or ugly for anyone. Um, try and keep it as, as friendly and open as you possibly can. Uh, and another important thing to do at the end is an exit interview. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's that involved? Well, ideally an exit interview is something is, is uh, going to be conducted by a third party. Oh, okay, so someone outside, somebody outside the business. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, make sure that you're getting somebody that has an understanding of your business, but also um, is willing to to ask questions for their understanding, but also to get to the bottom of maybe what's really going on underneath the 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 reason behind the employee exiting the business. Mm -hmm. um, People rarely leave a business or a, a job that they uh, that they love mm -hmm. and that they see growth and opportunity in, um, unless there's there's an underlying issue. Mm -hmm. um, and the best way to get that out of an exiting employee is by having a conversation with a third party. 
Mm -hmm. They may not necessarily be comfortable enough to tell you as the business owner or their manager. Yeah. But it's probably something they're going to be uh, a lot more relaxed and comfortable in telling a stranger. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Exit interviews um, are in, really important in seeing what's going on in your business that you may not necessarily be seeing on a, a, a daily basis. Mm. No, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, I suppose, in um, asking, um, sending feedback surveys to your clients, mm -hmm. you know, you want to know what what hiccups they've discovered in the process so you as the business owner can fix it because, you know, as entrepreneurs, that's what we want to do. We want to have our businesses to be big, amazing machines. We mm. don't want you know, any holes or anything like that. So I think that's that's a very good idea. I like that. Okay, now we've covered the start. Mm -hmm. We've covered the end. Mm -hmm. Now I know that you talk a lot about keeping employees happy and all of that sort of thing. So what, what advice have you got for keeping employees happy and engaged for the period that they're working with you? Listen to them. Talk to them often. Find out what motivates them um, in the workplace, mm -hmm. what they're wanting to achieve in their role uh, and help them achieve those goals. Mm -hmm. um, people do get caught up in, in you know, the, the, the nice things about, you know, I, I take them out for dinner once a quarter or, you know, we have pizza every Friday and things like that. Yeah. Those things are great, but they only go so far. Mm -hmm. um, people are spending however many hours in your business. They want to find value in it for them, be it their personal growth, professional growth, um, opportunities, um, educational opportunities, things like that. Yeah. So talk to your employees regularly. Mm -hmm. um, and really listen to them. Um, sometimes you may not be able to facilitate what it is they're asking for, but maybe you can help them, point them in the right direction, provide them opportunities to, to follow those passions or, or those desires, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But it's really important that you have those open and transparent conversations with them. And should these be like a, a casual sort of in passing thing that you you know you kind of go I'm going to take them out to lunch today so we can have this conversation or should it be something more um structured like a um like a performance what do we used to call them in government professional development assessments or something like that or yeah. a performance review yeah. there's there's a million and one names for them <laughs> uh, um it's very important that you conduct performance reviews annually mm -hmm. um they're, they're a more formal process um, where you get down to, um, I guess, the specifics of what the employee is looking for. You know, if it is study, yeah. what is it that they actually want to study? Why do they want to study it? Um, you get down into those specifics. And again, this is a whole other podcast around <laughs> performance reviews, but um, it's, it, it's also the opportunity for you to both commit to uh, the expectations that you're expecting from them throughout the year. Mm -hmm. um, I also recommend that in the, the six months between uh, you conduct maybe just a, a, a smaller version of a performance review and just see, make sure you're both on track in uh, the, the commitments that you've made to each other. Mm -hmm. That being said, there is definitely the, the, the opportunity to have those less formal catch-ups with your employees uh, and have those discussions in a more relaxed atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, doesn't have to be every week, maybe once a month. Um, don't make, make them too far apart either. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't even need to be a long conversation um, over a coffee mm -hmm. or just in your office for, for half an hour. Um, but definitely have those less formal conversations with them yeah. in a more relaxed environment where they'll probably be, um, you know, open and, and happy to, to have conversation with you. Um, but also make it a, a two-way conversation and ask for their feedback on maybe necessarily how you're going as a manager. Mm -hmm. um, are you, is there anything you're not providing to them that they, that they need? So some employees may take a little while to relax into 
telling their manager what they need. Yeah. Um, but give them that opportunity, give it to them often um, and listen to them. Yeah, that's important. Listen yeah. to people. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for talking to us about all of this. I've, I've actually learned so much and next time I build a team, I think I'll definitely be calling you because <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot to cover, but I'm really now appreciating the importance of it. So before we sort of sign off, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Any other words of wisdom or pieces of advice you'd like to share? Oh, my goodness, I could go on for hours about this. I've but... got so many questions I could ask you, but I'm like, no, this has gone on another time. We, we can't time. have a two-hour-long podcast. Um, I, I guess, um, and I, I've mentioned it before, uh, with your recruitment, again, if you can't fire them, don't hire them. Mm, um, and my all-time favourite, if it's not a definite yes, it's a no. Two awesome pieces of advice. Now, the final thing I need to ask you, Eve, before we sign off from today's episode is what is your drink of choice? Well, I think anybody that I've probably ever met would know that my drink of choice would be a nice gin. I could have said that, yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. And tell us where can people find you? So hrtaz.com mm -hmm. is probably the quickest and easiest way to track us down. Um, all the socials, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all of those wonderful places. Don't be afraid to reach out. Happy to, to talk to anybody at any stage. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit subscribe. If you'd like to learn more, then check out our website, www.workwifewinetime.com.au. While you're there, jump on our mailing list to receive special updates and offers from our guests. Until next time, take care and drink responsibly.